looking for the puck is Parker. Couldn't play or stop by Cook for a long shot. He scores! Colorado wins the Stanley Cup! Colorado wins! Ewing Group at 4 30. Got a chance for the empty netter! Got it! Sackick will come out to receive it as captain. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Mark! Hello, Avalanche fans. This is Adrian Hernandez. Welcome to the At Elevation podcast, where we talk everything Colorado Avalanche. This is a podcast brought to you by Mile High Hockey and Vox Media Group. If you've enjoyed what you've heard so far and you look forward to hearing more, please do not forget to subscribe um, to this podcast on whichever streaming platform you utilize, whether it be um, Apple, Spotify, um, what else, you know, etc. Uh, be sure also to follow us on Twitter at Mile High Hockey, and you can also follow us at, at Elevation Pod, and you can follow me at, at San Canelo Gringo. A lot of the topics we touch on are covered a lot more extensively uh, via written form on milehighhockey.com. So head on over there if you want uh, some more in-depth written coverage of the Colorado Avalanche. If you enjoy this, share it with your fellow Avalanche fans. If you like it, it's probably a, there's probably a good chance that they will too. So with all that out of the way, let's drop the puck. So the first thing I wanted to uh, take care of was I want to do a quick little shout out. Um, there's a local uh, uh, hockey team, hockey club here in my hometown called the Pueblo Bulls, and they play in the Western States Hockey League. Um, they actually had a forward be named the player of the month. His name is Andre Blaha. He wears number 25. So I just wanted to give him a quick shout out and a congratulations. He scored 10 goals and 11 assists in nine games in January. And he's up to 33 goals, 36 assists, and 69 points in only 39 games on the year. That's not too shabby, Andre. Keep it up, my man. And now let's talk about a little bit what we're going to get into this episode. First, I'm going to have the one, the only Mr. Scott McDonald on to go through his Twitter Tuesday. Then I'm going to talk with... Tom Hunter, as we do every week, and then I'm going to let you know a little bit about how Mile High Hockey and At Elevation will be covering the Stadium Series game at Air Force Field. All right, so that's what you can look forward to on today's show. Let's talk with Scott McDonald. Thanks for coming on, bro. Yeah, man. I hope to do a few more with you. Thanks for having me. Of course, my friend. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for your hard work when it comes to Colorado Avalanche and Colorado Eagle coverage. Um, I've been piggybacking off your stuff for a couple of weeks now with your Twitter Tuesday work, and I've noticed uh, a few themes, and I have a couple of questions that I want to get into today. And I want to get your reaction, and then I'll kind of throw mine in as well. That way we can get this thing from two perspectives. So we'll start with Light Through the Veins asked, How long of a leash are fans going to give Landeskog for his awful play? The man seems exempt of any criticism. What do you think of that question and that claim? 
Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm not so sure about that. I think it's a little a little unfair to to judge his season so far. Um, I mean, obviously he was out with that that foot injury for something like six weeks. I mean, he was out the entire month of November and a little bit more than that. Um, I guess statistically, I think that's what the the least people are referring to. Um, I mean, if you if you do the math on that again, he was out for six weeks. He was on pace for something like 30 goals and like 55 points somewhere in there. Um, the 55 points isn't. Uh, his best the last few seasons, but the 30 goals would have been, I mean, the second most he scored in his career. Um, but, I mean, I always tell people this. When people, I think they put a little too much weight on, on like, actual statistics and what we see visually um, with numbers. But I think, you know, the game of hockey is so much more than the stats. So I always tell people, like, when the stats aren't coming, you got to look at the advanced stats. Um, I mean, he has, he's solid. He's top five and about everything on the team. I think he's, at the time of writing that uh, on the Twitter Tuesday, I think he has a 53.1 Corsi 4, which is like third on the team. Um, he's second on the team in face-off win percentage. He's taken over like 200-some draws on that. Uh, he leads all forwards in hits. I think that might be one of the uh, the most important things that the Avalanche need um, at this time. I mean, he's, he's our captain. He plays a physical brand of hockey. Uh, he plays averaging something like 20 minutes a game, something like that. Um, and I think come playoff time, he's going to be – you know, very impactful guy. He's a guy that you, you want on your bench. Yeah, I totally agree because Landeskog is one of the more physical players on the Avalanche roster. And when the games mean more, he seems to really rise to the occasion. He takes on that captain role um, in all senses of the word. So I totally agree with you. I, th- I think this question is a, is a little bit out of left field. I know that last night he had a pretty costly turnover on the blue line that led to uh, a goal from one of the Kachuk boys. But like you said, if you look at him statistically, he's still in the top five despite his lower body injury, which uh, I don't I don't know how you feel. It's possible he's still playing with that lower body injury or at least some repercussions of it. I agree. And I think a part of it too is, um, I mean, He's definitely still playing with that injury. And I think someone actually posted in the comments of that, uh, that Twitter Tuesday post that uh, it was like a picture. I think it was like him, his wife, and his, his newborn baby. Yeah, his foot is it's not looking good. And it like, looks very, very purple and like swollen. I think he's probably taking a lot of painkillers and still, still playing through it. But, I mean, that's, that might be another reason why he's maybe not at his best at the moment. Yeah, and, a lo- and another guy who, who faced injuries – and um, is kind of getting some heat from fans these days is uh, goaltender Philip Grubauer. And to expand on that, uh, at Jim Carlson 1571 asks, does Grubauer's struggles making the spectacular save than seemingly giving up a softie mean the Avs look to give Francois more starts or look to add a goalie at the trade deadline? Um, what do you think about that question? Yeah, I mean, that... That one, I guess, is a, is a fair question. He has had his struggles. I mean, every Avs fan knows that, and they watch the games. Um, I'm just, I, I'm kind of Team Francois at this point. I think, I think he's having, he's having a great year. He's, you know, top ten and goals against average. I think he's like eighth um, in save percentage right now um, in the NHL. I think, I think he deserves maybe a couple more starting nods from uh, Bednar and company. But I think you, you do kind of have to, you just got to roll with the punches on these and, and roll with with one guy, and I think that's kind of what Bednar and his staff are trying to do. Um, whether he's, you know, playing inconsistently or not, I think you gotta you got to give him more than, you know, one or two starts in a row and kind of let him find his groove. And I think eventually he will. Hopefully he shows up uh, come playoff time. 
but we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't mind giving Francois a couple more, a couple more shots at it. I'd say that the Avalanche are definitely at a crossroads when it comes to goaltending. Like they're they're either going to have to pick um, to kind of give Grubauer those consecutive starts, make sure that he's seeing uh, more pucks in the last two months of the season, or as you are suggesting, they're going to have to turn to Frankie and say, "All right, man, this is this is your show now. You're going to get those consecutive starts. You're going to start being the one that sees the most pucks." Uh, that's definitely the case. Grubauer did look good again last night against the Senators. And I know that you, of all people, got to um, really watch Frankie on his way up through the Colorado Eagles. And given that you are our AHL affiliate extraordinaire, um, who do you see as the next player to make the jump from the Colorado Eagles and onto the Colorado Avalanche roster this next season? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've, I've, I've been to quite a few games. Yeah, like you mentioned, I, I do I do follow the, the Eagles quite a bit. I'm at practice every once in a while, so I see those guys. I get to talk to them. Um, I mean, you see, you got to look, I guess when you when you think about making a jump or you look at these players at the AHL, you got to look at, I mean, like possible open positions on the team next year as far as the Avalanche goes. I think, I mean, you know, there's questions in the air about Tyson Jones, whether they sign him, he's a restricted free agent, or, you know, guys like Nachushkin or Kamenev. And then you look at guys like uh, Matt Nieto and, like, Colin Wilson, who I just, I think they've, they've maybe played their way off this team. So I think when I look at the forwards, at least, I think you, there's, there's two open positions next season. And, I mean, a lot of, I think the most popular answer people when I hear is um, Martin Kaut, and is he ready uh, to make that jump? I'm not sure. I think if you ask a lot of a lot of people that watch his game, I think he, he may need a little more time. But he is one of those guys he knows I've talked to him. Um, he knows his role that he the top six for the Avalanche is locked up for the next few seasons. I think he knows that he's gonna be a depth forward and he's he's okay with that. So I think maybe you give him a chance a few games in the NHL next year, um, in that bottom bottom six role. Um, I could see that Shane Bowers as well, kind of playing his way into consideration. And I would say the number one guy for me is um, Logan O'Connor. Just he's a local guy. Went to DU. Um, he's he's you know playing great. I love the way he plays. He is the definition of a bottom six guy to me. He's a great penalty killer, which is something you know the Avs have struggled with the past couple of years. We all know that. Um, he's he's fast. He's relentless on the forecheck. I think he's would be just a cheaper alternative for you know fourth line winger come next season yeah i'm a big fan of logan o'connor i i love the way he plays the game uh i could see god forbid uh if, if a few of these forwards that are in the lineup experience uh injuries going into or uh in the playoffs i could see logan being one of the players from the ahl that actually get called up into some play into some playoff action based on the characteristics you just explained um, he's strong on the forecheck, he's good on the kill, and he is the consummate uh, bottom six forward. So with the forwards out of the way, what do you, what do you think the timeline is on Bowen Byram? Um, how soon do you think Avalanche fans will get to see him in the burgundy and blue? Bowen Byram, that's tough. So, I mean, I was actually just going to touch on that too. I mean, on the defensive side of things, as far as, you know, potential open spots next season, I mean, people kind of have their debate on Nikita Zadorov. Um, I mean, Ryan Graves can be a restricted free agent. I absolutely think he should be re-signed. He's been great. 
Mark Barbario has kind of struggled to find a fit in this, and I mean, so much depth on the defensive side. I think he's kind of the odd man out, and he'll be a UFA come season's end. Um, so then you look at guys like Bowen Byram and then Connor Timmons. I think those are two guys that could potentially be your your sixth and seventh D come next season. I think they're going to give you know Bowen Byram probably that that, that nine game shot this uh, after a training camp this upcoming season, and we'll see what he can do. And I, I, would, I would love to see him, but also we have such that uh, opportunity that we have so much depth on the Az roster and in the pipeline currently. I think you can afford to kind of give him maybe another season in Vancouver and the WHL and see what he can, uh, he can do. Yeah. And that's supposed to be the benefit of having uh, the, your AHL affiliate um, so close is that you can give your, your young prospects time to truly develop. And in the event that you need to get them uh, for a stint on your roster, they're pretty readily available just up I-25. Um, with that being said, I'm super excited about the Colorado Eagles and their affiliation with the Colorado Avalanche. And I want to thank you for your coverage of the Colorado Eagles. Of course, man. I love doing it. Yeah, and I think it's very important uh, because it really does add a little bit more pizzazz and it's a little more special when you see a guy who came through the Colorado Eagles system, finally crack the Avalanche roster, and then not only crack the roster but make a difference. It really galvanizes an organization from top to bottom, and I think it's super important. So thank you, Scott, for taking the time to talk with me, my man. We will definitely do this again. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. That was Scott McDonald. Um, you can follow him at Off Scott Free on Twitter and head on over to Mile High Hockey. He has some excellent work um, that you can find there, whether it be covering the Colorado Avalanche or Colorado Eagles. Um, you can find some really good content that was made by Mr. Scott McDonald himself. So now let's do our weekly talk with Tom Hunter. Tom, uh, I know that you and most people who follow you know that you are a big Nazem Kadri fan, but as of late, he's not the only acquisition that has been raising eyebrows around the league. Um, there seems to be a newfound chemistry between Andre Burakovsky, Nazem Kadri, and Valery Nichushkin um, in that second line role. What? Uh, how do you explain this newfound chemistry? What might be behind it? Um. I think it's, well, part of it is that we happen to be in one of the Burakovsky hot streaks. Like, when the Avs traded for him, everyone in, uh, like, Capitals fans are like, this guy's great when he's on, but he's really hot and cold. And we've seen that a lot this year. Like, he came out on fire. He was he was amazing the first couple of weeks of the season, as was most of the team. And then he went into a huge cold funk. Now he's back to lights out looks like a top line player um so i think that has a lot to do with it he's in one of his hot streaks hopefully he can continue a little bit um add to that the fact that Tushkin's finally finally getting getting some play like he's been buried in dallas for so long a fourth line bottom six he started off that way here in colorado too and now that he's finally getting to play with two really good players um He's kind of showing us what everybody thought he was going to be when he was drafted really high. 
however long ago that was, almost 10 years ago now. Yeah, and uh, given that all three of these guys seem to have like uh, the sniper capability, especially Andre Burakovsky, do you think um, his his snipe ability is conducive for sustainable success or is he more uh, of one of those guys like you kind of touched on earlier that relies heavily on hot and cold streaks? Uh, I think, well, I think it's both. He's a guy that can shoot, shoot at a higher rate than average across the league. Um, but also I don't think, I think it's kind of impossible for him to keep up the shooting percentage that he's had recently. Like when he started the season and he was on fire, he was shooting like he had like a 30% shooting percentage. The best players in the league only shoot about like 14, 15, 16%. So like he was double the best, double like what Ovechkin was shooting. So, you know, he wasn't going to maintain that, but at the same time, he's, he is a guy that has one of the more lethal shots around, especially on the team. So you can assume his shooting percentage will likely stay above average, but like right now he's, I'm just looking at his numbers. He's shooting 19% on the season. That's by far the best on the team. It's, it's higher than his league, than his average, his career average, but it's not that much higher than his career average. So like, to assume it'll drop a little bit, you probably could, but it, we can. I, I'd expect it to stay, stay higher than league average, higher than most of the other guys on the team, just because, like you said, it's just such a good shot. Yeah, and and Nachushkin has to be one of the more pleasant surprises in recent acquisition history for any team. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Like they brought. What, they brought him in as like a last minute. I think they signed him like just before training camp started, or even like might have been in training camp. I don't remember. It was right, it was it was late. They brought him in on like a league minimum or close to it. And I don't think I don't think even in their wildest dreams, Joe Sackick in the front office thought they would get this out of him because um, like he was drafted tenth overall. And he, when he came over, Dallas thought they were getting getting a big, strong power forward that was going to dominate um, offensively, and that never ever came. Um, and it was it looked even he looked even worse last year when he came back from the KHL. He played two years in the KHL and then came back last year, and he had he didn't score the entire season. He played sixty games ish for Dallas, and he didn't score at all. And so to see what he's doing now is pretty, it's really impressive. Like he, he looks like a genuine bona fide top six forward when you watch that team play. He's, it might be confidence. Like who knows if you go an entire season without scoring, that's going to, that's going to wear on you. At least it would me, I think. And so the, so once he got that first, it, it almost seemed like he got confidence in himself and it helped the coaches move him up the lineup to, have more confidence in him as well. And like, I don't know, like you said, he seems to have found a home next to Kadri, the two of them together, just the size, the the space they create for each other. It's just, I don't know. He, he's most definitely the best pickup, the best unheralded pickup on the team, maybe even in the Western conference from this past summer. Like nobody would have expected the impact he's giving right now. 
Yeah, and I see it this way. Dallas is a very defensive-minded um, system, and I think they probably wanted him to play more along the lines of a Landeskog, uh, you know, get in front of the net, use his big body, and play a physical brand of hockey. But he's a lot like Rantanen uh, in my mind in that he's a bigger dude, but he'd prefer to play a more uh, finesse style. And I think the Avalanche have done a good job of giving Valeri Nachushkin the opportunity to really embrace his affinity of that finesse style. Yeah, for sure. That's a good. That's a really good way of putting it. They. That's just a byproduct of how the how the Avs play. Like I think Burkowski's kind of the same way. He's built like some. Their numbers are similar too. Like you watch Burkowski out there. Sometimes you think it's Rantman. Like they look yep. so similar out there, the, just the way they're built and it, and the way they skate. Like it, I think these kind of players, McChushkin as well, they they benefit really well from that system that the that the Avalanche play. You're right. They the Avalanche want more space, more speed. Um, they're not afraid to take the puck on their stick and go with it, um, as opposed to trying to dump it and be physical, grind it out. Um, and yeah, you're right. It, it plays in perfectly to it, to his style of play and Burkowski as well, I think. And what a thing for Avalanche fans to look forward to going into the playoffs. You know, wh- who knows which one of these depth forwards are going to steal the headlines when it comes playoff time. I think uh, Burakovsky, Kadri, Nachushkin, Calvert, uh, a lot of these dudes are capable of really stealing the limelight when playoff time comes around. Uh, are, do you think Burakovsky, Kadri, and Nachushkin are capable of something like that? Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, let's hope Kadri doesn't for the reason he <laughs> for the same reason he grabbed the headlines the last two playoffs. <laughs> I, I don't think that's an issue. I, as long as he's not, he won't be playing Boston in the in the playoffs this year. So I, I don't think he'll lose his cool the same way. But I do think you're right about he has the ability. All of those guys, the team is built this this year in a way that if the top line gets cold, or if they're playing a team that has a really good shutdown line that can mitigate what. Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen do, it's not the end of the world. You have another line, maybe even two more lines, a middle six that can at any time do what they did last game and put up 11 points um, combined. Like it, it, Last year, if you shut down, the, the Avs won in the playoffs because McKinnon was so good. That line was really good. You shut down that line, the Avalanche were in trouble. This year, that's not the case. They they can score when even when the top line is like in Buffalo. That top line, they looked okay. They had that one really good rush. They didn't look overly dominant the way they usually do, but the team still blew Buffalo out with a great offensive performance. And that's, I think that's by design. You know, in the playoffs, you're going to try to shut down the top line. You shut down that top line. Burakovsky's going to feast on that on bottom pair defensemen, um, especially over a seven-game series, I think. Yeah, and the good news is if Kadri has to meet Boston in the playoffs, the only way that's possible is if it's in the cup final. And uh, what a story that would be. 
it'd be quite the opportunity for redemption for Kadri, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Hey, just keep just keep Jake DeBrusque away from him, and I think I think he'll be okay. I I think like that that whole thing is overblown. He two years two two years ago that one was really dumb. He hit a guy low who was on the ice, really vulnerable. That was a really really dumb play. Last year's was more of a heat of the moment. He got low bridged by DeBrusque earlier in the game, and and then earlier that shift, Patrick Marlowe got smashed into the stanchion in a pretty dirty hit. So it was a, I'm going to, is the heat of the moment, I'm going to stand up for my guy type thing. So it's not really, though we got suspended two playoffs in a row, one was dumb, the other was something you could see from any number of players. So I, I really don't think, that that's, that's something that people are going to throw out there until the playoffs come this year and he doesn't get suspended. The second he plays in this year's playoffs, that'll completely go out the window, I think. Yeah, and what an opportunity, again, that will be for him to to prove the naysayers wrong. That might be the, the time we see Nazem Kadri shine the most. Uh, that was Tom Hunter. Tom, thanks, man. I really appreciate having a talk with you on a weekly basis. Uh, to me, it's almost like therapy. <laughs> so if you want to follow uh, Tom Hunter on Twitter and get a little bit more of his opinion, you can do so. Uh, by following at Puck Don't Lie. That's at Puck Don't Lie. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool handle. So last but not least, I just kind of want to lay out a little bit of our, uh, the podcast and um, a few of the Mile High Hockey crew and how we will be covering the stadium series game in Colorado Springs at Air Force Academy Field. Um, I will be there on scene at the pre-party if you see uh, a short dude with a beard and a beer walking around asking fans questions making people uncomfortable that's probably me come say hello i'd love to get your opinion on a couple of things i'm going to be asking people some questions uh they'll be serious i'll be wondering kind of what your opinion is on the current state of affairs and i'm also going to throw in a couple of funnies uh just to kind of liven things up and and make sure we're having fun out there. So look forward to that. Uh, I'm going to sign off here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, please subscribe on whichever platform you prefer. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Podcasts, etc. Be sure to follow us at, at Mile High Hockey on Twitter and at, at Elevation. My name is Adrian Hernandez. You can follow me at San Canelo Gringo on Twitter. It's an honor and a privilege to talk avalanche hockey. Thank you guys so much. Have a nice Friday.